A disciple is a follower of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we are thinking on things above. As followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we are putting his word into practice. These practices are called spiritual disciplines. As followers of Jesus, we make an effort to walk with others as we all walk with Jesus. All of this is done through the work of the Holy Spirit. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We are in week, we're in our final week of our Discipleship Pathway series. Thank you so much uh, for allowing me to, uh, to be here the last four weeks and to, to be up here and for your time and attention. Uh, Daniel will be back in two weeks, and so you can continue to be praying for him and his family as they're away. Um, if you're new and you haven't been with us, uh, this is our Discipleship Pathway, and this is a, a new tool for us that we're going to use to hopefully give us some categories of how we grow as followers and as disciples of Jesus. So the first week we talked about learning. Second week we talked about training. Last week we focused on the role of the Holy Spirit. And this week we are going to finish up with how we do that in the context of community. And just as an update and a way of saying thanks and um, whatnot for last week, if you were here, um, we did prayer triangles. And what that looked like was... um, if you weren't here, was at the end of the service, I had everyone break up and find two other people to pray with. And thank you for those of you who did that, um, were bold enough to do that um, and participate. It was a very powerful moment. I heard that um, some of you continued to pray even after the band had started, and it can kind of continue and led into worship. Um, and also, there are some really cool stories that came out of it. I know that it's uncomfortable. I know for some of you just to, to pray out loud with someone else um, or to go and pray with someone that's a stranger or, or someone you don't know can be difficult. But out of that came stories of people that were going through some really tough times that had got some really difficult news. And through those prayer triangles, they were able to communicate that. We were able to connect them with some other people who, are, who have went through some of the same things. Um, And the Spirit really moved. So thank you for that. I don't know if it's something that we'll do again or how often we'll do it, but it seemed to be a pretty powerful moment um, and a time for us. And I encourage us to continue to be a community of people who pray together and pray for one another. That kind of leads us into this week of community um, and, and, and how we focus on living more in community. And as we said, as we follow Jesus in this discipleship pathways, the hope is that we end up looking and being and becoming more like Jesus. And so as we're looking at this, we've been taking a closer look at Jesus's life. And as we look at Jesus's life, a couple things that we can point out or pay attention to is this, that he did life with others. Early on, we see that when he traveled to the temple, that they went with a caravan of people the big enough group that his parents kind of lost track of him when they left because there were so many people that would go and travel together. And the way of life in that day was, was done more in the context of community. And then when he starts his ministry, we see him start out with at least 12 disciples from time to time. But ultimately, sometimes that would turn into 120 people that they would walk together. They would talk together. They'd eat together. They would experience and do life with one another. And we saw this more and more as they, as they continued. And I love Scripture. I love the stories that we get and the stories that the authors have written down for us to have. But sometimes I wish that we had a little bit more of what happened on those walks. 
as they were walking along the way and after Jesus had just done this miracle or after he had healed this person, what the conversation was like just as they walked. With different viewpoints, different backgrounds coming into these conversations, I wonder what, those, what, what, the, what their community looked like at that point. But we do know that they lived on mission together with Jesus. And after Jesus went up to heaven, after He conquered death and ascended to heaven, we see His church, the people, continuing to do what He had practiced. And just like most things, if you are curious of what someone thinks or how they live, what you want to do is pay attention to those who are closest to them. Jesus gave them a command, and the first thing we see early on in Acts and all throughout the New Testament is the disciples and the apostles doing exactly what they had done with three years with Jesus, exactly what He had trained them to do. We see them practicing that. And they do it in the context of community with others. And so today we are going to talk about community and what Christian community can look like and what are some markers or some characteristics of what our community could and should look like as we walk with Jesus and things that we can have as goals that through the power of the Holy Spirit in our communities, in our lives, we can become. I can remember a time when I was uh, single. I was living in Oregon at the time. I've shared this uh, time in my life was a very formational time for me. And one of the things when we first got out there, we were trying to meet new people as we were planting this church. And we didn't, I didn't have a lot of money. And so when you don't have a lot of money, it's hard to do stuff with people. Um, And so I was trying to get creative with how best to do that. And so one of the things that I'd started to dabble in a little bit before I moved out there was disc golf. Disc golf was something I'd played a little bit in Indianapolis, a couple of the courses around there I'd get out there and play. I was terrible, but it was free and it was something to do. And so I thought, well, I wonder if this is something that, that that is out here. And so I started playing a little bit. And, um, and one of the things that happened is one of my neighbors, I'll never forget, he came up one day and said, hey, I saw you, you play disc golf. And I said, yeah. He goes, would you like to come out with some of my friends? And I had to go disc golf. And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. A couple things you need to know. Disc golfing in Oregon is a lot different than disc, golf, disc golfing in Indiana. The topography is a little bit different. <laughs> the landscape, there's a little bit more up and down when it comes to playing disc golf in Oregon. So we get out to this course. I ride out there with them. We, or I meet them out there. I ride out and we, we get there and it's just this beautiful landscape. Hills and mountains and, and water and all, all kinds of beauty all around. Like, okay, this, this is going to be a little bit different. This is going to be a little bit more difficult. Well, then a couple of his other buddies show up and they get reaching their car and I reach in the trunk of mine and pull out my um, Walmart bag that has my three discs in it. Does anybody have the three disc set from Dick's? Yeah, a couple people, yeah. It works out well. You got a putter, a mid-range, and a driver, right? And they different things, bend it, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, all of a sudden, these guys start pulling out these backpacks that they put on their back, and in it, they've got probably 14 to 15 to 16 different discs that can do different things depending on where you're at, and they are very quickly realized, I do not belong here. I am, I am out of my league, and this is going to be an interesting day, and it lived up to that. I did, it was not one of my finer days. Uh, I think I'm very sure I finished last um, by a lot of strokes. But it was a thing that was, it was good for me to be out there. It was good for me to meet these people, but I could, I just felt out of place most of the day. 
And maybe you've been in a similar situation. You've been in situations where you're around people that are different than you. You're around people that that you just don't quite fit in. And we, we start to feel uncomfortable with that. And for us as followers of Jesus, the reality is this, that more and more our culture starts to move away from the teachings of Jesus as being a good baseline to how you live your life. The more and more we're going to look different and maybe feel out of place. That's where, we want to, that's where I want to start today. I have a slide here. Um, six markers of Christian community. And as we go through this, I want to do this in case you want to take a picture of it. These are the six things we're going to go through in the passages that are go along with them. But as I talked about, we're going to look at a peculiar community. That for as followers of Jesus, we should be a little bit different. We should be peculiar. We should be hopeful, generous, serving, encouraging, and most importantly, christ Centered. So if you want to take a picture of that, take a picture. We're going to slowly work, work our way through this. And we're going to start with peculiar community. And most of the time when we hear that word, we see, hear it with a negative context. And that's true. That again, we like to be around people who are similar to us. We like to be comfortable with the people that we're with. And when, we're, when we feel left out, when we feel like we're not a part of the crowd or we don't fit in, sometimes it's easier just to kind of distance ourselves or not be a part of that. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We talked a little bit about this in our First Peter series in January, but just as a reminder, it's important for us to understand the context of what's going on here. Peter writes this letter because the Jewish people, the, the, the followers of Jesus, have been scattered out of Jerusalem. Persecution had gotten so bad in Jerusalem at that time that people were forced to leave and go scatter and live elsewhere. So as they do that, they're living as strangers in a, in, in a strange place. So Peter, apostle at the time, pins this letter and it travels around to the Christian communities in the area as a way of encouragement to them. And by way of encouragement, what he says is this, that remember, remember who you are because of Jesus. Remember that you are a royal priesthood. That we are a holy nation for His possession that we may proclaim the praises of the One who called us out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And that's what we are called to do as followers of Jesus is to be a light in this world. To be a light through our community with one another to others. Where you work, where you teach, the classrooms that you're in, the neighborhoods that you lived in, we are called to be different and to do that together. So how do we become a peculiar community? Well, one of the ways is that we are a hopeful community. 1 Peter 1.3, the same letter that's going around. Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. First thing we can be is be a hopeful community. We live in a world that most of the time is a little bit down. We're not as hopeful. Life is difficult and we can share it with so, much, so many more people now. 
So what does it look like for us to realize that no matter what our life circumstances are, no matter what we're walking through right now, even though it may be difficult, even though we can't see an end in sight, we can be hopeful because we have a hope that our eternal resting place, that our joy that we have is not based on our earthly circumstances, but is based out of the fact that Christ has conquered death and that we will spend eternity with Him. And the reality of the fact that eternity can start now. That we can start living with that same hope, with that same perspective now, and it's not something we just have to wait for when we die. But we can come at situations that come our way. We can come, so, come through as a community hopeful, with an eternal hope. When we start to live this way, people will start to notice a difference. Next part is we can be a generous community. Another marker or characteristic. And as I was looking through this, I think this is the eighth sermon since I've been here that I use, I've used this passage. So I'm a big fan of it. It's Acts 2, 42-45. It says this, They, being the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed to the proceeds all and in any as they had need. One of the questions I get often as a pastor in some of the the circles that I'm in and classes that I teach is, what's my stance on tithing? Which is a good question. What's Calvary's stance on tithing? Should I be giving a tenth of my money to the church? And there's good biblical precedent for that. This is how I usually answer the question. That you can look throughout the Old Testament and there's some good practices of of giving our first fruits to God. And in the Old Testament, the Jewish community would do this in order to, one, do that, to remember that everything is God's and not ours. But then also to provide for the Levites who worked in the temple and provide to make sure the temple was able to run. They would give a tenth of everything that they had. But then I continue on and I say, but there's a New Testament teaching on giving. And it's this. Give everything that you have. Go ahead, let's go ahead and clear out our bank accounts. Let's make one big account and we'll give everyone as they have need. And then very pretty quickly they say, I like that Old Testament way of doing it. But it's true. No matter what it is, and I always say, when it comes to tithing, that's an issue between you and God. That's something that you're working out with God. I would encourage you to continue to give more and more away. To be able to live generously. To, to, to realize that, that God is in control of your finances and your giving. But to be a generous community doesn't mean that we just have to give of our finances. It also means that we give of our time and our energy and our talents. There are a lot of you in this room that has, God has given a lot of amazing talents to, and there are some of us in this room who don't have as many talents. Or maybe our talents are in different areas. And so as a community, when you have your gifts and talents, if you're generous with those things, it's noticeable for, the, for those who aren't followers of Jesus. So what does it look like for us to be a generous community? Giving our time to listen, to be with one another. To pray for one another. To serve one another. 
When we start to live generously, the world is going to notice because we live in a world that says, keep everything for yourself. Gather as much as you can for you. Make sure that you're okay. And if you have a, a little bit of time, a little bit of space outside of that, then give back and give to others. But for us, if we're going to live as Jesus lived, if we're going to put our focus on community and have a Christ-centered community, if we're going to be followers of Jesus as we do this, what does it look like for us to be freely generous with everything that God has blessed us with? Our time, our energy, and our talents. And the thing is this, when you start to do that, when, you're, when you start to be generous with your stuff, with your things, with your talents, the people in your community around you will also follow suit. They will also start to give. They will know that you're willing to go the extra mile, so they'll go the extra mile for you. They'll be generous for you. And it just becomes cyclical. And our community starts to get to being marked by generosity. Now part of that generosity is being a serving community. John 15.13 says this, no one has a greater love than this than to lay his, life down, lay his life down for his friends. And the person that we follow, Jesus, not only had this great teaching, this great understanding that true service to one another is willing to die, He actually did it. He didn't just have the good teaching, He follows, followed it up with practice. And He died for us. He served us to the greatest degree that anyone can serve or love anyone else. So what does it look like for us to be a serving community? Well, I don't know if you're aware of this, but to make Sunday happen here at Calvary, like you're normally used to, takes about 120 volunteers every week. Whether it's the coffee that you're drinking whether it's the person who waved to you out in the parking lot, whether it's the ropes that's, that are set up here on Sunday morning to the worship band, to the kids in the children's ministry, to those helping right now over in student community, it takes a lot of people to make Sunday happen here. And the reason I say that is I get a lot of people who say, I, Calvary's getting to be a bigger church, how do I plug in? It's hard for me to find community. Small groups are difficult at times. I couldn't find one that worked for my schedule. And that's, that's fine, life is going to happen. My next encouragement is this, find a place to serve. When you find a place to serve and you start to serve with another team, the church body becomes a little bit smaller. And your community starts to deepen. Your relationships grow because you're serving together. You're giving out of your time to serve others and to serve our children and to serve our youth and to serve those who walk in this door. This is another reason for us why mission trips are such a big deal. And why for us, we always want to be encouraging those to take that step of faith to go and serve somewhere. One, it helps us to get out of our context. It helps us to get out of our regular day-to-day -day rhythm and to serve. But more than that, what comes out of that and what most people say when they come back is the team that they went with became so much closer and so much tighter because they served together. They weren't focused on themselves, but collectively as a team, they were focused on serving somebody else, doing something for somebody else, if not for them, especially for the kingdom of God. And then in the evenings, once the work is done, they go and they sit and they share a meal together. And they play cards and they drink coffee. 
And most people, when they come back from a trip, say, you know what, the work I did, I'm sure, was a blessing to them, but the work that God did in my life was far more worth it. There was a bigger impact on me than what I had on them. And that's because when we go and we serve with others, God does a special thing in our community. So what does it look like for your community to serve one another and to serve others? When we start to do that, the world will notice. And so my encouragement to you is this. If God has been moving on your heart to maybe check out a missions trip, if He's calling you to do that, please follow that leading. Don't worry about the money. God will provide. But it will be something that will do so much for your walk with Jesus to go and to serve and to experience community at a deeper level. Another marker or characteristic is this. We need to be an encouraging community. Hebrews 10, 24-25 says this, Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Again, in our world today, it's so quick to cut other people down. It's so much easier to go in and cut other people down and to not encourage and to be judgmental. So what does it look like for us to notice each other's gifts and talents? Notice the the steps that people are taking to live more like Jesus and encourage them in that. And did you notice what the author in Hebrews says here? Don't neglect gathering together. And more and more in our world today, it's become easier to isolate ourselves. One of the reasons that the prayer triangles were so powerful last week is because people were actually present here and could actually pray with other people. With the technology that we have today, there's some good and some bad that comes with this. A beautiful piece of social media is this, is that now we can be connected to people more often. We can pray for people more often. You can have communities of people that actually aren't in the same geographical area that are going through the same thing, and you can connect and pray and walk alongside people that way. That was not an offering that we had before. But also... It's one of those things that we can start to isolate ourselves. Why do we, you know, maybe start to ask the question, why are we even coming to church on Sunday morning? I've got a Spotify playlist that's awesome. And I can listen to someone preach that's way better than the guy that's up there talking right now. And I don't even have to leave the comfort of my couch. And all of those things are true. But there's something about gathering together. There's something about being present with each other here. Seeing each other in the lobby. This is also why small groups, I encourage you to meet every week. So that you can, in the context of community, you can see each other on a weekly basis. When you're going through tough times, when you don't feel well, people can pray for you. People can bring you Gatorade when you don't feel well. It's that context of community that we need. And it helps when we're with each other to do that. We can encourage one another. We can encourage each other to love each other more. To continue to practice good deeds. To put the things that we talked about in our training category to work so that we continue to look more and more like Jesus. And the more that we can do that together and not in isolation. 
the more the world will notice that something is different with us. And finally, and most importantly, we need to be a Christ-centered community. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And as we said earlier, we like to be around people who look, sound, and live like us. But when Christ is the center of our community, anyone is welcome. No matter what your season of life, your socioeconomic status, your class, your race, your specific interest, whatever those is, those walls start to break down. And one of the biggest tragedies that we've seen in our world is still Sunday morning still seems to be the most segregated time in America. Because we want to be around people that are similar to us. But when Christ is the center of our community, it doesn't matter that we are around people who look different than us because we are all the same in Jesus. We become a redemptive community. So what would it look like for our small groups to be open to people who are maybe in a different season of life than us? What would it look like for our our men's and our women's groups to be inviting people that maybe live in a different neighborhood or live on another side of town? That you meet in these specific areas so you can start to be around people who are different than you. Because we know know that in Christ Jesus, we are all the same. And when Christ is the center of that community, people will start to take notice. Again, we continue to segregate. We continue to, to put ourselves in different classes and live in isolation because, oh, this person thinks differently than me. Or this person lives differently than me. Or this person looks different than me. And I just want to be around people that I'm comfortable with. And the more and more we do that, the more and more we get in isolation we don't get to experience the fullness of Christ's body together. So when Christ is the center of our community, anyone and everyone is welcome. And as you go through this list, if you'll pull that slide back up, I'd appreciate it. If you go through that list, how much does our world need us to be a people that look a little bit different. That are hopeful. That are generous. That serve one another and others. That are encouraging to the people around us. And more than anything, our world needs Jesus. And when we can start to give that to them, when we can start giving them a demonstration of what that looks like, the difference and the impact that we can make is huge. So our Monday morning application today is this. To take your next step in community. And I understand that's pretty vague. And there's probably people here who are in different spots with that. On different levels. So the first one, this, is maybe for you, you just need to get involved with a community. With community. Maybe that's a small group here. Maybe it's a men's or a women's group. And I understand, I, I, I look out in this crowd, I see faces, I know there are some of you who have tried really hard to get into community, to get into a small group, and it's been hard because of schedule. Or maybe I've dropped the ball and I've forgotten to connect you, I apologize, please on me about that. We want you guys to be in community, we want you to experience that. Maybe it's getting involved in a Bible study, or serving, go on our info hub, get plugged in. Maybe for you, you're already in a community. 
Maybe for you, you have that. But what you need that, what you need to do, your next step is to invite someone else in to that community. Because those emails that I get are great. But you know what? Probably about 50 to 60 percent of those people actually stick in a small group when I try to place them in one. But the reality is this, almost a hundred percent of the time when someone invites someone to join their community, it sticks. They feel a personal invitation. There's already a connection. So maybe for you, it's inviting that guy who's been on your heart that, hey, there's a group of us who gather once a week or two times a month and we get breakfast together for, before work. We pray for each other. We study the scriptures together. Would you like to join us? And the truth is, more than likely, that person is going to stick in that community. So maybe for you, it's inviting somebody in. Or maybe you're really good at inviting. Maybe you're a part of that community and your next step is that you need to make sure that some of these markers, some of these characteristics are present in your community. Again, we want to be people that are always welcome. We don't believe in groups being full here. There's no groups that are closed. Anyone is welcome. And if your living room is too full, find a bigger house to meet in, find another space to meet in, or let's talk about how we can split and divide so that we never have to tell someone who wants to get into community, I'm sorry, but there's no room for you right now. So what is that next step for you? As you look at your walk with Jesus, how can you take a step closer to living in the context of community like Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And there's a reality, Lord, that at our core, introverted, extroverted, young, old, that we have a desire to be known. We have a desire to be in community and to be in relationship like you are with the Son and the Spirit. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the people around us that are yearning to be known. And that you would give us the boldness and the courage to take that step to join a community, to open up our lives to others in order that we may experience your kingdom more fully. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for understanding our feeble attempts to practice and to live as you lived. Pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that we continue to take steps forward as followers of you. We love you. It's in your name we pray.